Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to episode 103 of Wikishuffle. I'm Philip Sharman, doing the hosting duties, and I'm joined by Chris Wallace and Ruth Bradley. Hello. Hey. Happy. 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 We're, all, we're all happy. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Yeah. So Wikishuffle then. Wikishuffle is where we press the random article button on Wikipedia and then we talk about whatever it throws up for us to talk about. Yes, we talk about throw up. We haven't done yet. <laughs> but we might, we could at any any moment. Could, could just shuffle our way to vomit. Mm. Yeah. Could happen next. Could. Let's yeah. find out. Canada's worst driver, seven. The seventh worst driver? I think it's like Ocean's Eleven. Ah, okay. It's like a gang of <laughs> terrible drivers. Seven Canadian bad drivers. Striving to be the worst drivers in the whole of Canada. Aren't Canadians really nice though? So they're going to be like relatively good drivers compared to like American drivers. Hey, you can be nice and be a bad driver, can't you, Phil? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I've got a reputation amongst my supposed friends of being a bad driver. Because you are. Uh, based on what? Based on what evidence Rabbits. that suggests that... Rabbit with a snake last week. Smashing into a car with rabbit in it, going to the rabbit hospital. What? You broke a family car. Do you remember when they were on the way to the vets with their poorly rabbit? Because you got distracted by a beautiful sunrise. <laughs> I've... I can't remember that detail. Why do you remember so much more about my life than I do? I know this, the accident that you're talking about. And you had their bumper about. in your boot for ages. Do you remember because you picked it up off the road and put it in your boot? Because you didn't want it to be like in the road causing accidents and stuff. No, I don't remember that at all. Why? What happens in there? I don't, in why don't I remember brain? things? Why do you remember these things? You weren't in the car when this happened. No, but you told me about it after. And they were taking their rabbit to the vets. Yes, yes. I remember now. I had completely forgotten. Anyway, bad driving. When I've been you one nearly, accident, that's the only accident no, no, no. I've ever been in. When we were coming back from seeing Passion Pit and you nearly caught, killed... That was on our way to... OK, but we nearly gig. died. But we did nearly die then. Bad driving. That was bad driving, I'll admit. Yeah. I didn't know that roundabout was there. Scratches on your car in abundance. Not anymore, Bumps. no. Only because you've got a new car. Yeah, but I've had this car for like two years now. and No scratches or bumps. I'm so going to break my car the next journey I go hardy. on, aren't I? It's a hardier car. Oh, maybe I'm a bad driver. Hmm. It's probably stop taking all those substances before you drive. I don't take any <laughs> substances. Just loads and loads of crisps. <laughs> Crisp drunk. Canada's Worst Driver 7 is the seventh season of Canada's Worst Driver series, which airs on the Discovery Channel. The point of the Discovery Channel used to be science mm. and discovering things. Yeah, that's boring, isn't it? Yeah, apparently so. 
bad drivers. I remember in school we had to do a lot of geography lessons about rocks, and that was boring. When really we could have just learned about countries and other stuff, volcanoes. They taught us about rocks, so maybe the Discovery Channel realised the same thing, mostly boring. Isn't a volcano a rock? So you better fire a big one, fire a big one. Fire a big one. <laughs> okay, Good no. to see you're paying attention. <laughs> fire a big one, rock. I'm saying the Discovery Channel, like Ruth said, is boring if they just do it about science. This is obviously more interesting. Get the viewers up. Change it from Discovery to Discovery X. As with previous years, eight nominees, as nominated by their nominators, that's too many nomins in that sentence. <laughs> Never enough nomings. Eight nominees, as nominated by their nominators, <laughs> nomin all over the nomin, enter the Driver Rehabilitation Centre to improve their driving skills. This season makes a particular emphasis on the uniquely Canadian nature of driving. What, so they didn't feature Canadians in the previous six series of Canadians? Yeah, they just didn't drive very Canadian, those ones. Yeah, so the what, they just got, just got Mounties in mm. season seven. They weren't unique enough in their Canadian nominous. Oh, this is more maple syrup in this series. Really and... sticky driving. <laughs> <laughs> what other Canadian stereotypes are there? Um, I've only got one and it's my favourite. Aren't they a bit French? Oh. Due South. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's got the best theme tune. It's the best story. The best, just the best programme that was on in the 90s, I think. Like the Canadian Mountain Police <laughs> teaming up with a New York cop. Uh-huh. And his ghost dad. And his ghost dad. Uh-huh. Let's not forget his ghost dad. <laughs> Police procedural with ghosts. Why mm. wouldn't there be? That's and his pet wolf. Paul Haggis. Paul Haggis. What? That was the actor that played the Mountie. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that was the name of the wolf. <laughs> Paul Haggis. This is the name. That's something you'd call a pet. Yeah, I could definitely. If I had a pet wolf, I'd probably call it Paul. <laughs> um, what was the What was the wolf called? Paul Haggis. No, the wolf wasn't called Paul Haggis. Oh, I can't remember. That's oh, that's the dog was called Diefenbaker. Diefenbaker. Yep, yeah, that's it. right. Although you seem surprised by that, and you're meant to yeah. be the world's biggest Jew South fan. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised I've forgotten that. And the dog was deaf. None of this is about driving. This season is the first to be broadcast in high definition, owing to the launch of the high definition, high definition simulcast of the Discovery Channel. What's a simulcast? It's where you'd have both the high definition version and the normal definition channels, both on different channel numbers. Stupid. Mm. Clutter. It's like you do, TV clutter, that's what I call that. Pretty much, yeah. You, you'd have BBC and BBC HD, wouldn't you? It's just irritating. Yeah, and BBC HD wasn't HD everything. It was only HD, like... Some stuff. Some stuff, like, I don't know, when they put Sherlock or whatever on. But the normal stuff, like Bargain Hunt, that wasn't HD. Oh. EastEnders was HD. Was EastEnders HD? Yeah, yeah, horrible. Oh. Don't want that. No. But presumably it's still HD. They haven't gone backwards. It's no, not as noticeable as it used to be. I was saying it was in HD because, like, I don't watch it anymore. <laughs> okay, I, I doubt that to begin with. You probably no, just, do. I really don't. I've given up. I've gone cold turkey. He's, well, that's a lie. There was a brief relapse over Christmas, but that's only to be expected. I had a brief relapse over Christmas as yeah, well. Yeah, it's got to be done, hasn't it? Christmas Day is boring, isn't it? Mm. Uh, I just watched EastEnders and Greasy Strangler. That's what I did on Christmas Day this year. What's Greasy Strangler? It's a film. Go watch Greasy Strangler, anybody who thinks of it, if you can. I know a lot of people don't make it all the way through. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a film. That was on TV over Christmas. No, no, I chose to watch it on Christmas Day. I'd heard, I, it was recommended to me by my brother. He said, it's a bit greasy, but you'll like it. And uh, yeah, so we watched that on Christmas Day. Oh. I don't recommend you do that on Christmas Day, but 
Anyway, there was a relapse of EastEnders that coincided with the, the greasy strangler watching. Okay. Move on. So who were the contestants <laughs> on Canada's Worst Driver 7? Philip Sharman. Mm. I'm not Canadian. Oh, yeah, they would let you in. Even if I was, I wouldn't be in the top 10 worst drivers of Canada, or even the top 70, which is what they must be onto by Series 7. How many people are in Canada? More than 70. Mm. Are there, though? Yes. Well, because <laughs> when you look at a map of Canada mm. and you see all the cities, and there's not many, mm-hmm. they're quite little, aren't they? And the rest is just snow. And the rest is just snow. The mountains and trees. They're really big cities. Like, Toronto's really big. Have you been? No. But is it, though? Mm. No, I rest my case. I'm not sure that you've won as much as you think you have. I've rest my case. There's definitely lots of people in Canada. I think you won Canada. Mm-hmm. Case closed. I was <laughs> just thinking about you, Southstone. <laughs> <laughs> Who were the contestants on Canada's Worst Driver 7? Well, one of the contestants was Laurie Benkarski, who's 37, from Prince Albert in Saskatchewan. Got good place names in mm. Canada. She's an animal lover, but for her fiancé, Sean, her love of animals goes a bit too far. <laughs> she regularly drives with her two dogs, a cat and a bird, all of which he believes is too much of a distraction. I think so. I couldn't drive with all those things going on. Two dogs, a cat and a bird? No. No, that's... Uh... The bird will be the, the tricky one. It would do all that... It could get, like, distracted or, like, alarmed and do that flapping thing. Yeah, or chatting to you. That you do. There's there's a little thing about the story. It's a little bit like the old woman who swallowed a spider. So <laughs> she's worried that she might swallow a spider, so she keeps a bird, a cat, a dog. Just in case it all spirals um, out of control. Yeah, just to be ready. Just in preparing. Or she had done that previously and then been ill. And vomited them back up into again. Into her car and then they might as well just keep them there then. Mm. But I don't think this says much about her driving skills, just that she likes an overcrowded if car. Anything, it says she's a good driver. She can manage it with all these things going on. Mm. The thing that tells me she's not a good driver is her appearance in the lineup of Canada's Worst Drivers 7. That makes me think she's not a good yeah, driver. Yeah, but the dance series 7 now. How many uh, people run, are even in Canada? And they're running exactly. out of Canadians, fair enough. <laughs> Eventually. If these the, are actually the best. Yeah, if it run, if it, the series runs for long enough, then, you know, Nigel Mansell's going to be there, If Nigel, or the Canadian Nigel Mansell. <laughs> First That's really hard one for us to think of. <laughs> the, the first Grand Prix driver I could think of. From like 1985. You know, you know Nigel Mansell with the moustache. You know him. Well, think of him, only Canadian. Put him um, in one of those G-South uniforms. Mountie. Mountie uniforms. Mm-hmm. Who were the other contestants? Well, there was Sly Grosjean, who's 40, from Lethbridge, Alberta. Although she now lives in Red Deer, Alberta. It, she's a technophile. <laughs> she's a technophile who never goes anywhere without... Oh, it's he. Sly is a man's name, obviously. Of course. God. Sly Grosjean. I think because it was Jean at the end, I thought her name was Jean. That's not how it works. Sly Grosjean, who's 40 from Lethbridge, Alberta. He is a technophile who never goes anywhere without his cell phone GPS. It is a necessity for his job as a delivery man. Sounds okay. Sounds like a good driver. His brother-in-law, Fred Hillier, however, believes that he is too reliant on new technologies and can't otherwise drive without them. He had non-verbal learning disorder. That's a random statement. Yeah. What is that? What is that? Click through. Click through. Oh, okay. Considered to be neurologically based, non-verbal learning disorder, otherwise known as non-verbal learning disability, NLD or NVLD, is characterised by verbal strengths as well as visual, spatial, motor and social skills difficulties. You may not at times, if you have this, 
comprehend non-verbal cues such as facial expression or tone of voice or tone of voice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or tone of voice. <laughs> oh. A fire lassie. What kind of name's that? Afia. Afia Lassie, 25, from Montreal, Quebec, is out to prove her loved ones, including friend and nominator Cindy, wrong. Yeah. Those around her believe that she is a hazard on the road by running red lights and hogging the road. She begs to differ. That's like your story. Okay, that you sounds on? like actual bad driving, whereas the guy who's a delivery man and uses his GPS a lot, he doesn't sound like a bad driver. It's his job. Although I bet he does have one of those ones that he wears on his belt. But that doesn't make him a bad driver. It doesn't, if anything, that makes him a good driver. It means he knows where he's going and he's a delivery man, for goodness sakes. He'd get the sack if he was that bad. Yeah. Yeah, Doesn't say he was a delivery man, he is. And I think they're just blaming his disability. They're just saying he's a non-verbal learning disorderly, disorder sufferer. Yep. Must be a bad driver. Tabitha Parks is a nervous wreck. And she is uncomfortable behind the wheel. Jonathan John Parsons has a cocky attitude (laughs) due to the adrenaline rush brought forth from driving. (laughs) Ben Ryman from Surrey and his wife Jan believe that driving is becoming a major point of contention to their relationship, so much so that they never drive together anymore. You should just let one person drive. Yeah. <laughs> That's where you're going That's wrong. One of the benefits. Yeah, it's not a team exercise. It really isn't. Shirley Sampson um, is comfortable driving around in the small towns of rural Nova Scotia. She just merely detests driving into Halifax. No, who doesn't? Oh, Halifax. Where her daughter and nominator Janice Wall lives, she breaks down entirely on the highway, <laughs> even going so far as to stop on the highway in places where she is confused. She drives a Kia Rio 5. So they bring their own car? I think so, yeah. It says <laughs> it's quite interesting to see what cars they drive. Hmm. Um, so we've got a Dodge Ram, a Smart 4-2, a Pontiac Grand Am, a Kia Rio. Uh, the one with the cocky attitude. He drives a Chevrolet Corvette. Yeah, well, that would give, like give you a cocky attitude, wouldn't it? So who are the, who are the experts? Who, who are qualified to judge these people on the quality of their driving? Me and Chris. Yep. Shyamalu Kiru is an expert on interpersonal relationships. How can that help him drive? And how they can cause emotional breakdowns in drivers. Her experiences have brought her to every corner of the globe. What? What kind of bio is that? That's the worst bio I've ever heard. What kind of globe has corners? (laughs) (laughs) Philippe Letourneau, returning for his fifth year on the show, is a professional race car coach who holds the philosophy that the car is ultimately nothing without the driver. (laughs) Well, that's... It's a good philosophy. No, that is a good philosophy. (coughs) (laughs) These don't sound like experts. They sound like idiots. (laughs) Peter Meller, returning for his third year on the show, is the basic driving instructor working with the Advanced Motoring Bureau. Shouldn't he be the advanced driving instructor then? Basic driving instructor. They couldn't get the advanced (laughs) one. I'm not doing this nonsense. (laughs) Surely he's going to feel out of place with the relationship expert who's travelled every corner of the globe and the professional race car coach and then Peter who appears to just be a driving instructor well basic well, <laughs> yeah you basic I don't feel like I'm an expert amongst you guys <laughs> good Peter Canadian Mella. accents good Canadian accents <laughs> Um, Cam Woolley is returning for his sixth year on the show. He is the traffic expert on CP24 in Toronto. His 25 years as a traffic sergeant with the Ontario Provincial Police has made him the voice of authority in past years Mm. on the show. Interesting to note there that 
none of the experts have survived all seven series of a very demanding job being an expert on Canada's worst driver. The high turn, high staff turnover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Maybe they get run over a lot. <laughs> so it's got summaries of all episodes. Who did this? Who was enough of a fan of Canada's Worst Drivers Seven to literally document everything that happens on every single episode? So you don't uh, have to watch it. There's these guys I know that do a podcast like that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So based on. What the bios that we've heard so far on the contestants, who do you think is going to win the crown of Canada's seventh worst driver? Well, judging on the bios alone mm-hmm. and this format of television, I reckon the the crazy the crazy one of the Chevrolet, he's gonna be out pretty soon because he's gonna try his his nonsense and the angry judge is gonna be like, You're not taking this seriously. Get out, maybe rip his license up in front of him. He'll be out early um, so on. So the person you're describing there is um, Jonathan John Parsons with his cocky attitude. Yeah, his cocky attitude will um, get him in hot water with the judges. You are correct. <laughs> he was the first person to be out. Well done. There you go. And ultimately, I think the winner will be Shirley from Samson, who will overcome her highway fears and go, and the last episode will be her having dinner with her daughter in Halifax, having driven on the motorway. No, Sly's going to win. He's... He's going to overcome his non-verbal well, are we saying learning winning or are we disorder. saying losing? So you're, you're both looking for narrative, which yeah. is what you should be doing in these shows, definitely. Um, you're correct. Shirley Sampson is the winner. Oh, Canada's or loser, depending on how you look at it, because she is Canada's worst driver. <laughs> um, there has to be sorry. some sort of arc, some sort of like journey. She has to cry at least four or five times and yeah. almost be broken. But wait, if she's the worst driver, that means that she wouldn't be able to drive to Halifax. If anything, she's probably... Stop driving altogether because if, if she's deemed the worst, how do you win this? I, well, I, I don't They're know. They're all the worst drivers, but one of them can be the slightly better one at the end. Or, is there, or are they the ultimate worst? They're all ultimate worst. Judging by this, John is the ultimate worst because he went out first. He was so bad that they didn't even want to teach him. <laughs> or he was so good, they were like, you don't even belong to be, belong to be here. Potentially. Yeah. It's an interesting format. Canada's worst driver. They became Canada's worst driver. Yes. After the six nominated contestants give a sombre farewell to the challenger, complete with a mock funeral ceremony, mm-hmm. dark, the four experts give their final opinion of the contestants. This is the this is the, the denouement of the entire series I'm describing here. Sly admits that the road test was more comfortable than any of the challenges, but he was ultimately on edge through the test. The opposite happened for Shirley, Good challenge performances, but horrible road test. Aaron admits that after the road test, he finally got everything and more out of rehab. Everything and more. (laughs) Philippe and Peter believe Sly is Canada's worst driver due to his performance in the challenges, but Cam and Andrew believe that Shirley's performance in the road test makes her Canada's worst driver. Shyamala, therefore, has the deciding vote. Tension. Mm-hmm. As none of the experts believe Aaron is Canada's worst driver, Aaron is named the final graduate of the Driver Rehabilitation Centre. Ultimately, Sly is considered to be able to drive away on his own, while Shirley wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why she is ultimately named Canada's worst driver. Despite Sly avoiding being named the worst, Andrew tells him that he has absolutely nothing to be proud about, and Fred says that Sly simply got lucky that Shirley happened to do worse in the road test. <laughs> 
What? Shirley still leaves with parting words of encouragement from Andrew, who implores her to continue driving, and as a special mark of respect for her doing so well despite ultimately being named the worst, Andrew allows Janice to drive Shirley home instead of the usual final humiliation of being forced to catch a plane home while her car is towed to her hometown. That sounds better. Oh. So you don't have to drive. We're going to pay for you to get a plane instead, and we'll, we'll make sure your car's there when you get there. Sounds pretty sweet. But I not, thought not it was, humiliating. I thought it was a journey of discovery and finding yourself. I didn't know that ultimately you would no, know, you know you really are bad. It's humiliation and shame. Yeah. Related mm. shows the worst driver franchise, Britain's worst driver, the world's worst driver, and don't drive here. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> assist the show Canada's worst handyman. Oh god. What a lineup of shows. Mm. Why would you go on that? It's obviously your career. I'm a handyman. It's not like I do odd jobs. That's Maybe my career. Is. I'm a handyman. Maybe it is just people that do DIY oh. very badly. Well, yeah, because like, I'm not going to get many jobs after being on that, are you? wouldn't have thought so. Maybe you would. Maybe very sympathetic people, the Canadians. Like, awesome. Give them another chance. <laughs> As of 2016, we're up to 12 seasons of Canada's Worst Driver, so we are going to be running out of Canadians fairly soon. Mm. We might not be doing cars anymore soon. Mm. They're making more Canadians all the time, though. Are they? People of Canada, yeah. But okay. are they? Mm. Have you seen them? Have you been there? No, so. I have been to Canada. No, you haven't. Yeah, I have. No, you have Have. You have not. Have. He I've meant, been. have you been there to the reproductive process? <laughs> no. <laughs> to um, the special Canadian reproduction centres? I've been to Thunder Bay and had one of the worst weekends of my life in Canada. Have I, t- I must have told this story no. on the podcast. I had one of the worst weekends of my life in Canada <laughs> in an absolute cesspool of a place called Thunder Bay. Just, just, which sounds really nice, it doesn't cool. it? Yeah, it sounds cool. It's awful. Is it haunted? Don't believe so. In my head, I'm imagining it like Phil's adventure in Thunder Cove, a bit like a Nancy Drew mm. novel. Well, a lot of my life is. Yeah. Or maybe there'll be a mystical pool where you go in and turn into a mermaid. Yeah, that'd be good. No, there wasn't. Oh. Ilu Vu. Huh? Ilo Yao. I love you. <laughs> he was talking to me. Okay. <laughs> if that makes you feel better. I, I was looking at Chris. Mm. Yeah, but he looked really upset. I did. <laughs> I love you, all one word, all caps. So it's I love you. Really? Or I love you. <laughs> it could be I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yeah. I love you. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I bet this is the reaction he gets every time he says that. <laughs> I insist on shouting it and uh, make sure there's no spaces between the words. <laughs> I love you! I love you! And this is why your bit was cut from love, actually. <laughs> I love you. Oh, thanks. Sometimes referred to as love letter was a computer worm that attacked tens of millions of Windows personal computers on and after the 5th of May 2000. I remember this. Just shouldn't have a Windows computer. Simples. Yeah. Did you say simples? Oh, my God. Oh, you wow. did, didn't you? Did... Where's that from? Compare it... the market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the meerkat. Yeah. Oh, no. Did I just reference the meerkat? Yeah, yeah I'm leaving exactly it in as well. Yeah, but it's okay, though, because I'm obviously so much cooler than you two. So if I did that, it's a thing that you just haven't heard of. And you're just, mm. you're referencing the meerkat. I was referencing someone else. 
Is it the bit in the in-betweeners where the really tragic one says simples all the time and it's the tragicest thing that anyone could think of for anybody to do? No, it's from an art house film that you haven't seen. Uh, Not the Greasy Strangler. (laughs) (laughs) No references from that would be mainly involving farts or willies. You need to watch it. Watch it. (laughs) I don't think I do. It doesn't sound very Christmassy. It definitely isn't Christmas. Don't watch on Christmas Day. That was a mistake. I regretted it after about 10 minutes, but... And I was really full and there was a lot of grease. So I was like, Whoa, ugh. Hmm. Watch it. <laughs> Watch it tonight. No. The key to success of I Love You. On the machine system level, I Love You relied on the scripting engine system setting being enabled and took advantage of a feature in Windows that hid file extensions by default, which malware authors would use as an exploit. Oh, it's like we're in, in hackers. Mm. Uh, I'm worried. Am I... Teaching people how to do this. You are, yeah. Because I don't really understand a lot of the words that I'm using. Pretend like you do. You need some shades on. Is this like where they try and avoid showing too much drug usage in films in case it's instructional? The same. Well, please don't, if you understand the words I'm using, please don't enact on them to make your own virus. Mm. They didn't describe it as a virus. They described it as a worm. Don't make your own worms. What's the difference between a virus and a worm? I think we've established I can't answer that. And Ruth uses Mac, so she doesn't need to know. (laughs) I assume... These questions are below me. I assume... Yeah, that's why I assume... Simples. No, simples. (laughs) Um, A computer worm is uh, different... I have no idea. No idea. I thought you would know. I thought you were like... It burrows, whereas a virus... Shuts down. Transmitted by sneezes. I've no idea. See, in my head, I always imagine Ruth lives in like a warehouse. You think Ruth lives in a warehouse? Yeah, and there's loads of computers, and she skateboards in. (laughs) And I definitely, I mean, that happens in my head as well. Yeah. But in reality, it's way cooler than that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, cool. I like hoverboarding. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. And she's got a lift. In a bathtub. She's got a lift that opens straight into her her loft house apartment. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got too many monitors. You don't need that many monitors, Ruth. Yeah, I do. I do. If you're watching all of the data that I need to be watching, (laughs) and all the worms. (laughs) I'm I'm going to carry on with the techno babble. Bear with. Windows would pass file names. That's pass P A R S E. Would pass file names from right to left, stopping at the first period character, showing only those elements to the left of this. Problematic. I think we can all see the problem there. The worm also <laughs> the worm also used social engineering to entice users to open the attachment out of actual desire to connect or simple curiosity to ensure continued propagation. This is like the Nigerian prince one, isn't it? That's the enticing. Yeah, but they're enticing by saying "I love you." Yeah, it works. Lonely people. (laughs) Somebody loves me. I love you. Dot (laughs) exe. I actually do have a story a bit about this. Um, A couple of years ago now, um, a girl's dad rang me up at home after we'd like stopped seeing each other because they got an email from me, and it was obviously one of these. So. Rather than thinking, oh, this is obviously one of those I'd been hacked and this was just the chain, he thought that I had maliciously sent my ex-girlfriend oh my a virus. So he must have thought I was some sort of tech wizard. <laughs> this is how I'm going to get my love venge. <laughs> love venge? Yeah. Did you, though? No. Did you? Sure. I don't even know where to start. Oh. And also, I, well, I wouldn't do that. 
send it. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send a cyber worm to your dad. <laughs> I'm worried. That'll teach you. I'm worried that now you've inspired people to maybe get their love venge in such a way. You've <laughs> Phil's shown them how to make. Yeah, there'll be loads of yeah, love venge, and the you've key. given them like the motive and the reason to go and use yeah, it. Yeah, just mm. send the message to their dad. So what love venge had you done? None. Yeah. No love venge. It turns out when I looked at my sent box, I'd sent love venge to everybody I know. <laughs> Very, very destructive of you. Yeah. I hope you're sorry. I am sorry. If I'm hurting, then everyone should be hurting. Revenge. <laughs> Revenge me. I won't be happy till the whole world burns. <laughs> Thereafter, following daybreak, westward across the world, moving to Hong Kong, then to Europe, and finally the United States, as employees began their work day that Friday morning. The outbreak was later estimated to have caused between... No, come on, this is ridiculous. The outbreak was later estimated to have caused between five and a half and eight point seven billion dollars worth of damage. That doesn't sound that came right. from insurance companies. They were just like, we've we've had it. We've had an outbreak. It cost six million dollars. Well, think how much. No, it, not billion. This is billion. Think dollars. how much it costs to send a letter. Um, it's estimated that 10% of internet-connected computers in the world had been affected. Damage cited was mostly the time and effort spent getting rid of the infection and recovering the files from backup. Oh, yeah, so you're valuing people's time. Yeah, I don't value people's time. Uh, to protect themselves, the Pentagon, the CIA and the British Parliament and most large corporations decided to completely shut down their mail systems. They put sellotape over all the CD drives. <laughs> <laughs> The events, it wasn't all bad though, because the events inspired the song Email on the Pet Shop Boys UK Top 10 album of 2002 release. Every cloud. Every every cloud. On the 5th of May 2000, two young Filipino computer programmers named Rionel Ramones and Onel de Guzman became targets of a criminal investigation by agents of the Philippines National Bureau of Investigation. It's all a bit sci-fi, isn't it? (laughs) The NBI traced a frequently appearing telephone number to Ramones' apartment in Manila. His residence was searched and Ramones was arrested and placed on inquest investigation before the Department of Justice. Onel de Guzman was likewise charged in absentia. Oh, so he was to the wind. If you've spiced up a little bit with a bit of science fiction fun, Mm -hmm. I could make this a really good film. (laughs) Could you? Mm -hmm. Tell us your plans. Does it involve hippopotamuses? No, it does involve worms, though. Okay. Computer worms. Computer worms, but this is it. This is how I'm going to get... This is how I'm going to win an award. So it's about the internet in general, but the worm that goes inside the computers is physical. It's a physical mass. And it's created by a, a tech, tech expert hacker who is also a biologist. I'm just letting you talk. Okay. And in his lab in the Philippines, because it's based, inspired by true events. Oh, it's always great <laughs> when a film starts with that yeah, line. Inspired by true events. And he constructs this worm with his friend the other guy it accidentally gets released and then darwin is our protagonist played by jay courtney he does still get work somehow this is is one for him Mm -hmm. and he plays darwin and it's a race against time before the worm multiplies it sounds good doesn't it it sounds as technologically competent as most big Mm. budget sci-fi films so yeah and as well as that the worm can infect people just adding that as well how does it go in then? through the nose through the nose <laughs> through the nose or the and out oh <laughs> yeah 
Excellent. How big are the worms? Because the hand motions you were making there at one point made them look like the they giant anaconda snake that he saw in the road. They get Maybe bigger, that's, that's the problem. Oh. Well, not bigger like that way, bigger long ways. <laughs> the more tubes and internet they go in. <laughs> What's it called again? I love you.com. <laughs> Fantastic. One day you're actually going to make one of the films you're talking about, and then cinema will stop. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Patch Hamilton. Ron Hamilton, born November the 9th, 1950, also known as Patch the Pirate, is a Christian singer, songwriter, composer, preacher, voice actor, and personality. Would you describe yourself as a personality, Ruth? Uh, Would others? Yeah, yeah. He is the current president and owner of Majesty Music, a Christian music publisher and the creator of the Patch the Pirate adventure series. I feel like pirates are very anti-Christian. See now, because of that Captain Phillips film, they're the only pirates I can think of. I don't really think of the other ones anymore. <laughs> they might be the ones you think of first. They're, they're not the only pirates you're aware of. Though. They, you've not wiped out all pirates from your... Have they? Yeah. Jack oh, well, Sparrow, go Yeah, on. good for you. Lucky for you. There's, yeah. a, there's a new Pirates of the Caribbean film oh, coming really? out soon. Pirating in general. A bit too rapey and pillagey to be advocated by the Bible, I think. Is Robin Hood a Christian? Is he because he gave up what he stole? I don't think he's very rapey or pillagey. No, What's but he, he is steely. Steely, Steely Dan. Yeah, I think the Bible's okay because it doesn't like um, it doesn't like people who lend money and um, rich people. Yeah, so I can steal from the Queen. You can steal from the Queen. I mean, you probably shouldn't announce it on a podcast. I I was winking. <laughs> so, so, fine. Um, about the royal family, I don't think it's just the Queen personally, is it? It's no. the institution rather than yeah. the woman. I don't like anyone that's got a hat as fancy than me. Where are we going? I don't know. Let's go I back don't feel patch. like we know anything about Ron Hamilton yet. He's the owner of Majesty Music, a Christian music, music publisher and creator of the Patch the Pirate adventure series. Ron Hamilton became affectionately known as Patch the Pirate when he began wearing an eye patch after losing his left eye to cancer in 1978. Sounds well affectionate. I think it's nice. He's lost his eye. Joe, and he's gonna, instead of, you know, he could, oh, now he you could, look like a pirate, Patchy. What he could have not worn a patch and just terrified people with his with his eye hole. I think it's in the wider interest that he does wear a yeah. patch. Yeah, Chris wouldn't have liked that hole no. on display. Mm, uh-uh. Exactly, nobody would like that hole on display. I mean, Gabrielle, <laughs> she had the common courtesy to wear a patch, and she'd got a perfectly good eye behind it. Well, not perfectly. Good, hey, Gabrielle, put your hole away. <laughs> she didn't have she didn't have a festering stump underneath her patch, Gabrielle. Which how do you know? I've never seen under her patch. When did no, you? She, you, you're not allowed to see under a patch. But she's how got have you? An eye. How have you seen? Because I know it? that she, I know this of Gabrielle. <laughs> I know this of her. <laughs> Gabrielle and I, we've had long discussions about what's going on underneath that patch. And she's got an eye. It's just it's a bit lazy. Wizened. That one wizened is harsh. <laughs> I like the idea of you and Gabrielle having chats and her really getting into the nitty gritty of the, why the eye patch, the origins of the eye patch. And she felt like you were the person that she needed to confide in. <laughs> and I feel like I've, you know, undermined her trust somewhat. By a little bit. Maybe. Maybe. I'm sorry, Gabrielle. She's but the like world weeping needs to know. out of her one eye right now. She's got two eyes. She cries like a normal person. You don't know that. Have you seen it? You don't know how intimate the conversation I was, was. I took her word for it. I wasn't in a position to call her a liar. Did you look under the patch when she wasn't looking? <laughs> 
just be like, what's that over there? And then have a quick sneaky. And then she was looking at you and you're like, oh, and that's how you found out. She's got two eyes underneath it. <laughs> that's why she went, she, she got two, they're just really small. Oh. So that's terrifying. The opposite of what people expect. When does she hit it up? <laughs> I have oh. no response. <laughs> um, Ron Patch Hamilton. Anyway, I feel like we've gone we've I gone off on a tangent. I'm, I'm not sure. It doesn't, he seems to be playing up to it. It's not as if you know. It can be endearing. You can draw attention. This idea that if there's any sort of thing about you that's not quite normal and not, that it should be downplayed and not spoken about and hidden away. Oh, make a career out of it. Well, not a career, but just, uh, it's fine. I'm happy Patch, with this. I'm happy with this. Adventure yeah. series, cartoon. Yeah. yeah. No, no. No, I agree. I, thought, I think you should do something similar. So I, <laughs> I don't think you should be afraid of just calling yourself Ruth Spoonface Bradley. Spoonface? I don't see what would well, be a problem with that. Well, there's just so many things I could go by. It's like mm. crack jaw, no teeth. Gums. Gums, yeah. McGee. Yeah. Yeah, all of them. I mean, you know where would I start? Anyway, Ron Patch Hamilton has published hundreds of songs and hymns and written numerous cantatas. Ooh. What's that? I don't know. I'm What's a cantata? cantata? Plays and children's stories. Ron Hamilton was born in Indiana in 1950. His mother encouraged him to study music as a child and he reluctantly learnt to play the trombone, piano and the guitar. Jesus, if you were reluctantly having all of those lessons, what an awful life. I'd want to gouge my own eye out. <laughs> As a small boy, his family would sing often together and the children were encouraged to make up their own parts to harmonise. See, this is nice. This isn't our childhoods no, weren't like this. Do you know this. what this sounds like? And I'll, This is definitely some sort of psychomomager. I will have a famous child. I will, even if I have to take your eye out. I would say that if the mum did really want him to be famous and, and really was pushing him in those lines, the trombone isn't the instrument to choose. Not that many famous trombonists in the world. What would you choose? Yeah, but trombone not the trombone, just, just leave the trombone out of it. Maybe it was a freebie, it was like a twofer. <laughs> well, I'll teach him piano, but only if he has trombone lessons as well. Bro. Because nobody wants that, and I can mm. play it, and I want to impart my knowledge. And the thing about a trombone, with all that pointers, it's danger having someone's eye out with it. He attended Bob Jones University, which doesn't sound like a university. <laughs> no. It sounds like a butcher's. <laughs> the next bit where it says he received a BA in church music, shouldn't it be a BJ? <laughs> Bob Jones University. <laughs> no, cheap, cheap guy. But Chris loved I like it. it. Yeah, he's easily pleased. Um, the BJ's. <laughs> and an MA in church music composition. Ron married Shelley Garlock in 1975, and the couple began working at Majesty Music with Ron's father-in-law, Dr. Frank Garlock, which is a much more normal name than whatever you tried to say. <laughs> Um, who is a well-known speaker in independent Baptist circles. Ron and Shelley have five children, Jonathan, Tara, Alyssa, Megan and Jason, who all performed as voice actors on the Patch the Pirate adventures. In 1978, a doctor discovered a cancer in Hamilton's left eye requiring his eye to be removed. Did he? Yes! <laughs> as he travelled around speaking at evangelistic, at evangelistic services in churches with Dr. Garlock, children began calling Hamilton Patch the Pirate. After they paid him. Yep. 
<laughs> Around this time, he began writing music for children to be sung in church, which Majesty Music later released as an album. In 1982, Patch decided to add a comedic drama script along with his children's music and called the album Patch the Pirate Goes to Space. The album was very successful and led to a new Patch the Pirate adventure being released every year since 1982. The most recent release, Ocean Commotion, which is good because it rhymes, is the 36th adventure. Patch the Pirate Adventures are broadcast on a number of radio stations internationally and is recognised by the National Religious Broadcasters as the third largest religious children's programming outreach and over two million copies have been sold. And here's the beautiful song names that he's, he's penned over the years. Rejoice in the Lord. Fine. Jesus-y. Bow the knee. No. Mm. Makes me feel a bit more uneasy. Wings as eagles. Well, that's just nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it is finished. That's what he said after he popped the eye out. <laughs> it is finished. My hope is Jesus. Wiggle worm. Wiggle you could worm. use that one for your film, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You could use that one. Um, beautiful hands. Always the same. Here I am, Lord. <laughs> uh, this is like some weird haiku poem. <laughs> this one's really depressing. Born to die. Oh, God, this is what's wrong with religion. Little by little. It's about your hands. The poochy lip disease. Ooh, about your face. <laughs> <laughs> How can I fear, Lord? I need you. <laughs> is that all one? Or is that I'm not sure whether that's different. Could be, How can I fear? Then another one called Lord. And then another one called I need you. Servant's heart. Clean it up. Gross. I am weak, but you are strong. That's all one song. Christ is coming. Oh. He's always coming. <laughs> Jonah, call the wambulance. Is that what they call That's where we... George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dark. Dark. That's where wisdom begins. I saw Jesus in you. Oh, my God. <laughs> a secret place. I mean, that could be all the same, all the one song Maybe it's a typo well. that says, I saw Jesus in your secret place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cherish the moments. Oh. Many more. Ron, Hamil- Ron Hamilton has also authored a number of popular Christmas and Easter cantatas, including Born to Die, Click and Schnell, The Christmas Bell, Aww. Peanut Butter Christmas. What? Peanut Butter Christmas. Peanut Butter Christmas. <laughs> starts growling and I'm feeling kind of weak when my head starts spinning and my joints begin to creak when I think I'm breaking out with purple polka dots there's just one food that hits the spot give me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich mmm a peanut butter and jelly sandwich oh it tastes so fine just any time on a plane in a car with a bowl of caviar, a peanut burn jelly sandwich. Mmm, a peanut burn jelly sandwich. Ah, oh, it's the meal time star. It's paradise in a jar. A peanut burn jelly sandwich. Well, I for one am a convert and now believe in Jesus. It's all because of just those little song mm. snippets. That's all it took. Turns oh. out. Good. I just believe in peanut butter jelly sandwiches. I 
found a chip in my pocket this morning. You found a chip in your pocket this morning. Go on. Because <laughs> I'm wearing dungarees, it's got front big pocket, and yeah. like I was getting on the tube, and I put my uh, contactless card in there, so it's easy to just tap in, tap out. And then this morning, instead of pulling out my card, I pulled out a whole chip. So oh, that's nice. Like a big whole. A junky chip. How long do you imagine? No, like, it? like a big sort of pub, nice pub. A steak cut fry. fry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long do you imagine it's been in there for? Overnight. Oh, just so it's recognisable from yesterday. It's not like yeah, from yeah, the last I mean, time it was, you wore I those. didn't have chips, but Ashley did have chips, and I think I probably did steal. For later. Well, I didn't know I'd done that. Mm. Oh, like reflex kangarooing. No idea what just must have just been storing it in there for later. Like no hoarder. idea, but after that I went to the theatre. And bearing in mind, with dungarees, you have to take them almost completely off if you need to freshen up. That would be disgusting. No, that sounded worse. <laughs> just go to the <laughs> toilet not freshen anything. Mm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hmm. But anyways, you had to take them off. And then obviously I went to bed right. and then put them back on in the morning. You just kept your little chip for later. Stayed in the whole time. Did you have it? I think maybe it was trying to escape. Actually, my brother ate it. Oh, that's, at least he didn't go to waste. <laughs> no. He ate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did, yeah. I did say, go on, eat it. So I think I may have... Oh, yeah, you gave him no choice. That's may have had some hand in it. I would have ate it. I've seen it like before. I wouldn't want to. And it was warm. Because yeah, it had been like, you know... Oh, t- t- oh boob warmth. That's the <laughs> worst kind. <laughs> <laughs> under boob warmth. <laughs> I can think of worse warmth. Okay, yeah, that's not the under worst. Under carriage warmth, so mm. probably worse than under boob warmth. That's true. Mm. But still, either way, that's not how I like my food heated. But, you know, better a warm chip than a cold chip. Yeah. That's what I always say. I'd have it. Wise words with which to leave us <laughs> on episode 103 of Wiki Shuffle. Thank you very much for listening. Um, we will see you again in two weeks' time. In the meantime, if you want to hear more of Chris and my voices, you can listen to the Goodnight Sweetcast, which is our Goodnight Sweetheart podcast, where we are going through every episode of the BBC sitcom Goodnight Sweetheart. Lucky us. Why are we doing that again? Jack told us to. And would we, if he told us to jump off a cliff? We'd probably make it into a podcast. Yes. So thank you, Ruth, for joining us. We're going to have somebody else along for the next two episodes. Yeah, I don't want to come back. You'll you have back. to come back. You'll be back. At some point, you'll be back. Um, but we're going to be rotating two weeks, two yeah. episodes on. Who am I being rotated with? We don't know. We're not sure yet, but somebody better. Oh, just anyone. Just then. anybody off the anybody, street. Anybody, please, yeah. God, anyone but that. Well, the reason that I've been being so nice about um, Patch Hamilton is that I'm quite... Crossing my fingers that he might accept. <laughs> oh, he's going to bring his patch, though. Well, yeah. What well, if he does patch? Oh, yeah. Might get Gabrielle along. Oh, well, you do know her, so... You can well. do my trick of, what's that over there, and have a quick sneak underneath. I have to. Mm. I don't believe her. Imagine if you find a chip in there. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. Thank you, and bye-bye. Bye. Bye. 
and 365-day returns.